Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. You guys doing all right? Yes. Don't overwhelm me with your enthusiasm. Right? Hey, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, clap. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, hey, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Josh, and along with the team, uh, my wife Liz and I lead here, which is uh, a lot of fun, especially when we have mornings like this morning where God just does what God wants to do. Steve, can I get you to grab me that, that little repulpity thing, which is cool? Uh, I just got a very short word to share for you this morning, and actually you guys are going to do most of the heavy lifting uh, this morning, which is great. But before we do, uh, a couple of months back, we had our lounge church. So if you're a guest with us this morning, you don't know what lounge churches are. On the first Sunday of every month, we shut the doors here and we all meet uh, at six different locations in people's lounges, hence the name lounge church. Thank you, Forrester. That's awesome. I'm going to put it up here though because, oh no, don't turn the page. Um, so if you want to be a part of that next Sunday, it's just a little bit more intimate, it's a little bit more, obviously smaller, there's sort of 15 to 20 people in each lounge church, and we do lunch afterwards, it's just a chance to get to know people better and do life a little bit closer, and there's a lot of awesome things about coming together corporately, like we just experienced this morning, but then there's a lot of awesome things about meeting together in smaller groups, and so we just thought, well, we don't have to choose between one and the other, we can do both. So if you want to be a part of that next Sunday, make sure your details are written down or if you've been invited along this morning by somebody that you let them know that you want to be a part of that. Uh, but a couple of months ago, we said, hey, let's, let's get every lounge church to just do something for the community, do something outside of ourselves. You know, the Bible talks about being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so we thought, well, let's just, let's just explore that. Let's get every lounge just to do something a little bit different. Uh, and that, that wasn't to the uh, exclusion of anything else. The Bible also says that we'll be known by our love for one another. So it wasn't like, well, we'll do something outside the church and forget everybody inside the church. But you can't focus on every single faith element at the same time. Sometimes you've got to pick something to emphasize from time to time. And so we chose to emphasize being a light to the world. So I just wanted to get a real quick bit of feedback from different people. Where's Alicia? I'll get you first, Alicia. That way you don't have to wait for ages. You just, you remind me so much of my sister. It's crazy. Come on up. So Alicia, uh, we were in Alicia's lounge church. We had a big conversation about what we were going to do and we decided to just chuck some money in each and we were going to get like a nice wee little gift basket for your next door neighbor. How did she handle it? She was very, very blown away, obviously. Uh, we sort of lured her over and uh, not while well, the lounge church was there, but lured her over and then it was like, oh, here you go. And um, she was sort of like, oh, wow. And um, and then a few days later, she came back over to touch base with me and she said, I'm still just processing it and very blown away that it's not even about the gifts that, you know, I receive, but just the fact that, and then she's all, you know, telling me all tearfully that the fact that I'm thought of um, and yeah, because uh, I feel that the Holy Spirit prompted John to suggest her because it wasn't even me. And so she was just really blown away. So yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Didn't Alicia do a good job? She was nervous about getting up here. Right? Um, what else have we got? We've got, where's Gay at? Gay, you jump up because your, your lounge church did something similar, uh, a gift, gift basket for a, a friend. Yes. Um, it was just through um, a friend of, uh, sorry, a neighbour of uh, Sandra's that um, we um, prayed for Donna um, she was having some respiratory problems and she was in hospital for a short time. 
And um, so we decided to make a, get a hamper together. And um, through our lounge group, Amanda and Dan's home group, um, lounge group, um, we had cash donations and we put a camp, a camper, a hamper together. <laughs> a hamper together. And um, we managed to give her a voucher for um, some meat and other groceries. So all in all, it was about $140. But when we gave it to... I, I arranged a time to meet around at um, Sandra's place to um, give her the hamper and the, and the voucher. And it was just the right time at the right place for this lady and her partner. They were very appreciative and it gave us an opportunity just to tell them a little bit about what we're about. So I felt very encouraged and very blessed to have been part of that and to be able to, to bless them as a couple. So thank you for that contact and um, I guess we'll be moving on to something else. That's right. Yeah, we'll do it again for sure. Awesome. Well done, guys. It's great. Yeah. I think, Steve, you shared on a Sunday a couple of weeks back, but your land church put together a whole bunch of money for uh, the floods up in Nelson to send to a church up there to kind of distribute to people in need. That's great. That's thinking outside the box. And in Kara, you guys are, are sorting yours out this week. Is that right? What are you doing? Just yell it out. Just yell it out. A care package for solo mums. That's really, really cool. What did the North Canary... What did we guys end up doing in the North Canary Run? Because I went to Africa, and so I kind of lost... We did a whole bunch of baking for a Sif's house. Oh, that's cool. Fantastic. So give yourself a round of applause, everybody. You did really well. That's great. Yeah, and Paul and Trey, what did you guys do, Marla? Oh, all right, we got five out of six, though. It's pretty good. That's right. We'll try that, try that one again. All right, actually, Marla, you can come up and give me a hand. Stephen, you too. How many adults have we got in here? Quite a few. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I want you to just hand one of those cards to every, every adult in the room. Stephen, you take these ones. There you go. All right, hand, hand them around. All right, so grab a card. I want you to look at the card that you've got. I'm going to do like an amazing magic trick. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, hand them around. I've got more if we need more. going to be a magic act. You need, you need some more? We'll see if Stephen's got any left, because otherwise I can give you some more over here. Marla got through hers a lot faster than Stephen did. He's slow, yeah. There's a lot more people on that side of the building. We're kind of tipping, tipping over that way. Give, me a, give him a wave if you haven't got a card yet, because you need to have a... Oh, my gosh, this whole middle section. All right, come back here. All right, let's do the middle section, Marla. I should have asked more than two people. It's all right. All right, passing down. Yeah, it's, it's very anticlimactic. This is not, it's not a magic trick at all. Now I'm worried that I've set you guys' expectations too high. We, got, we need more? Who doesn't, is there anyone that doesn't have any? All right, a couple down the back. All right, here you go. Um, how many? How many hands? Oh, three at the back. Okay. Um, give them three, just three? You guys down the back, you don't, you don't, I don't care about you. <laughs> Give them those three, there you go. Huh? Take, take, take a card off somebody else and then, and then give it to them. Like switch those three around because they're all, and then give, them, give them one of those cards back. There you go, there you go, all right. Okay, that's great. 
Fantastic. That took way longer than I thought it would. Okay. Can I make a clicker, honey? I'll give it a march. All right. So, you know how normally we, we break into groups at the end and we talk about things? I've just noticed everybody sits in the same chairs all the time. Yeah. So, what I want you to do is I want you to find the other people in the room that have got the same number and the same colour card that you have got and sit with them. All right? If you've got a black four, you've got to find the other black fours. If you've got a red three, you've got to find the other red threes. This is going to take half an hour on its own. Oh, my gosh. All right, we all good? That was actually, that was really just an interesting psychological exercise because half the room got up and walked around and the other half were just like... <laughs> like... You, you come to me, I'm not moving, which was interesting. Kira, I was looking at you. It was Kira. All right. How are we going? Okay, I'll be, I'll be real quick. What we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, a passage of Scripture this morning that we were going to look at a couple of weeks ago, chronologically, but I got back from Kafrika, Kafrika? Got back from Kafrika in Enya, and uh, I thought, well, we should probably talk about that. So last week, Gerhard spoke on Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, Simon the Sorcerer, which is Acts chapter, is my clicker working, guys? Acts chapter 8, verse 9 to 25. Is it working? Should be? It's not, it's not working, Jackie. Are you on the, you clicked on the thing? All right, there it goes. All right, just a massive delay. That's all right. So if you've got your Bibles, and in your groups, at least one person should have their Bible, I'm hoping. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 25. And so in my Bible, uh, the passage is called Simon the Sorcerer, uh, which, let's, let's be honest, guys, sometimes, every now and again, teeny tiny occasions, you read the Bible, it's a little bit boring. Like, is it just me? Like, every now and again, you open it up and you're like, oh, this is a little bit dry. You're reading through genealogies. You're reading through a bunch of names. You're going, if I've got to read one more begat, I'm going to be gone, right? Like, it's, it's pretty dry. But then you get to a passage like this, and it's called Simon the Sorcerer, and you think, well, this sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting. This is going to be a fun passage to read, right? Like, Simon the Sorcerer is a pretty exciting uh, part in the Bible. My click is not really working. There it goes. I reckon it might need new batteries, but that's all right. This is literally uh, fact what Simon the Sorcerer looked like in, in uh, the Bible. All right, so let's, let's read through it together. And as we read through it, there are three questions that I'm going to ask. And I'm going to get you guys, like I said, to do the heavy lifting and unpack what you think is actually happening in this passage of Scripture. Read through it, picking it up in verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery, checks out, in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. That is a very impressive stage name. You know, for a sorcerer who's kind of walking through town, working through town, that's kind of what everybody called him, the great power of God. You can just imagine them back in the day. What are you doing on Saturday night? Oh, I'm going to go see the great power of God. Oh, he's awesome. I saw him last week. Put a rabbit out of a hat. Well, you should see him this week. He's got awesome stuff to do. All, of course, demonic. <clears throat> I just thought I'd say demonic because it's a... See what happened. (laughs) 
They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. So what do we know about this guy called Simon the Sorcerer? We know that he has amazed the people for a, quote, long time. So he's been around for a long time. We know that he's called the great power of God. We know that he impressed high people and low people. So that's tall people and short people. Uh, I'm guessing that's what it means. And uh, the city was amazed by him. He'd been around for a long time. I think this was, you know, he's called Simon the Sorcerer. So obviously the sorcery is a big part of his identity. That's his shtick. That's what he does. That's how he probably makes his money. That's, that's his whole thing as he's doing these, quote, amazing things. But he's using the power of sorcery. Now, I don't want to get too weird about it, but you can't deny the fact that if you're a Christian, you believe in God. You've also got to believe in the devil. You believe in angels and you believe uh, in demons. If you're a Christian and you don't believe in demons, then good luck. First of all, you've got to chuck out a huge chunk of the Gospels because there's demons all through them. And you've got to throw out a whole bunch of Jesus' teachings because he's constantly interacting with demons, casting out demons, teaching people how to deal with demons. So you've got to believe in demons if you're a Christian. Otherwise, you've got to chuck out whole chunks of the Bible. But without going into too much detail, sorcery or sorcerers, uh, they're just people that tap into the power that's available to them through partnership with demons. That's what they do. We don't do that as Christians. That's not a good idea. I would not advise anybody to deal with anyone that was involved in sorcery or, for that matter, tarot cards or fortune reading or psychics or anything like that. They're all people that tap into the power that's available to them in the supernatural through the demonic realm. They partner with the powers of darkness rather than the powers of light. Now, does the darkness have power? Yes. Does it have authority? No. It's a big difference. But Simon the sorcerer was someone that was tapping into this. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. I find this very encouraging. Because what this says to us is that here you've got a man who has dedicated his life to partnering with the powers of darkness, performing signs, quote, performing miracles, quote. Everybody that he performed them to was like, wow, you're blowing our mind. And then he encounters this guy called Philip who is operating at a level that is so much higher than anything he's ever seen, who has access to a power that is so much greater than anything he's ever experienced that he cannot help but follow this man around because he's blowing his mind. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that cool that this guy who spent his whole life partnering with darkness encounters light and it is just exponentially greater than anything he's ever seen or experienced before. And so he's following Philip around. It's worth noting too that Simon is believing and baptised. Interesting. Next passage. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's happened here, but Philip's obviously turned up in town He's preached the gospel. A lot of people have believed the gospel. He's then baptized them in whatever body of water was around, whether it's a river or a lake, or I can't recall the geography of Samaria, but he's baptized them. He's spent the last few days traveling around, performing miracles and healings and signs and wonders, but for some reason, he hasn't baptized anybody in the Holy Spirit yet. 
We don't know why that hasn't happened. It could be that even in those early days, people were starting to develop this theory that the Holy Spirit had to come through Peter and John. It's interesting that they sent these two guys, and these two guys said, well, have you guys been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Oh, you haven't. Well, let's do it. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Just put a pin in it here for a second because my first question to you this morning is, why would Simon do this? I'll give you a chance. You can talk about it in your groups in a second, but I just want to you know, give you an opportunity to just start thinking about it. Why would Simon do this? I mean, let's look at the train of events here. I was thinking about this during the week and I was trying really hard to come up with some sort of revelation for you and then I went, you know what, I'll just hand out cards and you guys can come up with it. Um, Because actually the truth is that I can make suggestions. I've got my thoughts and I've got my theories but nothing that you can prove conclusively. But somehow Simon has heard the gospel message and the Bible says he believed it. So he's accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Saviour. Then he's agreed to be baptised Now he's following Philip around going, this is amazing. I can't believe this new family that I've been invited into. I can't believe all of these, this new power that I've got access to. I can't believe the miracles that I'm seeing. Then Peter and John show up and pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. And instead of saying, hey, pray for me, I want to receive that as well. Simon says, can I buy it? That's weird. Like, that's a, that's a very odd thing to do. So mad, exactly, just a mad thing to do. So the first question is, why did Simon do this? Hold that thought, we'll move on just a little bit longer, because look at Peter's reaction. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You've got no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You know, that word bitterness, it's really fascinating. If you look it up in the Greek, it's actually partnered with another Greek word uh, that literally means greenish hue. What's an emotion that we would associate with the color green? Interesting, right? So it's, it's bitterness, but it's actually, there's a jealous element to it. And that's why in other translations, like the Passion Translation, says you're consumed with jealous bitterness. Because uh, they've picked up that nuance there. So Peter says, you've got jealousy in your heart. So there's a bit of a clue for you when it comes to trying to work out his motivation. And captive to sin. And then Simon answers him. So Peter said to him, hey, you've got a problem, man. You need to go to God. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to repent. And Simon says, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So here's your second question that I'm going to throw over to you in just a minute. And the second question, when it comes up on the screen, is, there you go. What does this tell us about where Simon was at? What is, this, what is his response reveal to us about his heart and about the nature of his relationship with God at that point in time? What does it tell us? 
And then moving on really quickly, after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now the book of Acts encompasses around three decades of stuff. Can you imagine how many stories they would have gathered over 30 years of the church growing and signs and wonders and miracles happening and ministry happening and evangelists going out and people receiving the gospel. They must have had over 30 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories. But for some reason, this story makes it into the Bible in the middle of chapter 8. And so the third question, and the last one you're going to have to wrestle with, is why is this story included in the Bible? Out of all the things that probably happened, what is it about this story that made the Holy Spirit you know, influence Luke to say, I want this story included in the Bible. I want people reading about this for the next 2,000 years. I don't want this forgotten. That's your third question. So I'll put those three questions up on your screen, and then you can have a wee chat about them. Why did Simon offer to buy the Holy Spirit? And it's worth interesting too, because when I first started looking at it, I was like, why didn't he just get it for free? Why didn't he just join the queue with everybody else? But when you look at it, he's not asking For the Holy Spirit. He's asking for the ability to pray for people and have them receive the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of a clue there for you. But why would someone whose whole life is wrapped around performing magic and dark arts, why would he ask for the ability to lay hands on people and have them manifest the Holy Spirit? What's possibly going on in his brain there? What does this tell us about where Simon was at? His response to Peter saying, hey, you need to repent and pray. What does he say to Peter? What does that tell us? And then the third is, why is this story included in the Bible? All right, so we'll whack some music on, guys, down the back. Thank you, I love you, really. And, and I want you guys, we're just going to spend 10 minutes, all right? We're going to go until quarter two. All right, have a chat in your group, see what you can come up with. And then maybe if we've got time, we'll have a quick bounce around and just get some feedback on what everybody thought.